right. Here we are. Welcome back. Welcome back. Science in between. That's what it is. And I am Scott. And I am Ollie. Look at that. We did it. It sounded almost professional there. Wow. Uh, we'll, keep, we'll keep practicing. I know. We're only at episode 82. So we're right. only, I mean, we're going to get it right eventually. Right. We have to, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, in fairness, that we're, we're just closing in on being a, on two years old. Not even really. 18 we're, months. We're still infants. So we're, like, yeah, we're still infants. We're, we're just learning to walk. Right. So, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. I, and you know, the thing, I, I think I'm, I accidentally mentioned this. I accidentally. We're accidentally. so we're so bad at promoting, right? I mean, I think both oh, of us are terrible. like yeah. horrible promoters. And I accidentally mentioned this in a, a, one of the sessions we were doing, and just like, and I was like, why am I just accidentally? We should be promoting this wherever we go, but we're just yeah. not those folks, you know. We should like, we're not. we're not selling swag. We're not, you know. No, maybe buying, we need to look into that. Maybe we we need to look into selling swag and or buying ad space on like Instagram or you know, Facebook. No, we're not going to do. We're not. We are we're not, not doing, doing that. that. No, we're that not doing not that. Thing we're doing no. But I don't have. You know, I don't have the time, energy, or interest to do no. that. But I could. I, but I could develop a flyer and drop it at Narst and just oh, leave it around. Like, look at you, hey, science that. in between a podcast for science educators, or get like little stickers and just put them out Ooh, some places. Stickers, I, like I know. Stickers. Yeah. All right. like, like totally, you know, underground. Yeah. You know, like yeah. We'll the... make a zine. Ooh, that's a that's a blast <laughs> from the past. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. All, right. All like the 30 year old and under folks are like going, what yeah. the heck is a zine? Yeah. Google that youngster. Yeah. <laughs> use, use your Xerox machine to, to make a zine and staple it together and put it out there. Oh, right. that's great. We've lost the plot once again. So. <laughs> we didn't even find the plot. There was no, no plot yet. No. Well, we had, well, we had it before, but it's gone now. But right. so, so today we are continuing the discussion around the NRC framework um, and three-dimensional learning. And we're going to talk about disciplinary core ideas. Yeah. And if you remember, we talked about the other ones in previous episodes. So if you're jumping in, you know, as this is like, Hey, you just found this in this episode 82, yeah. go back a couple because, episodes because of we, our promotion. They found sure, it just, wow. they just got here because of all yeah, our promotion, the bump, the bump in our promotion. Yes. <laughs> so if you just ended up here this week and, and like, how, oh, what is this all about? Uh, go back a couple episodes because we did the framework one week and yeah. then we did uh sanction engineering practices and then we also did and then we did the the triple c last time yeah 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 we did the yep. triple c the like triple c like Don't, you know no no, no no we're not like diners diamonds no. and dives and guys grocery games uh, and cross-cutting concepts anything that repeats triple a auto insurance yeah um Okay, so uh, so this week we're going to talk about disciplinary core ideas, which is how the framework um, and eventually the NGSS talk about slash think about content. So uh, up until now, we've been talking about, in many respects, the new things that the the framework talks about, right? So science and engineering practices, which was a new way to think about sort of inquiry or the science process. Um, and then cross-cutting concepts, which were, uh, you know, sort of traditionally would have been seen as sort of themes to interweave um, across disciplinary boundaries. So that, but but they were framed cross-cutting concepts in a, in a different way. So more as cognitive lenses or tools for doing science. But now we're going to talk about like, well, what is the whole like science content? 
because every, especially secondary teachers, like they spend a lot of time thinking about science content. So, so that's what we're going to talk about today, disciplinary core ideas. And, uh, and basically the, the, the place where we're going to start, and I think you probably have them up, Ali, because you usually do, um, is, I mean, you, you come prepared. Um, I do a little bit of work, you know, you do. So, um, so what we're going to do is talk about them, not in specifics. This isn't like, uh, here's all the content. We're going to talk about what they are and how they're structured and why they are different than how we typically think about science domain knowledge. Um, so well, I think, well, I think the, 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 just like the other, you know, terms, this is like, this is a, a, a manufactured phrase, a manufactured like disciplinary core idea they develop this term and to describe this and i think one of the the critical parts that i have tried to share with people as i've we've been introducing this to people we've been working with around the state is what makes a core idea a core idea like why isn't everything a core idea right it's like you know why don't we just have a list of like thousands of terms and and phrases and make these all disciplinary core ideas and i think the the, which is what we've had in the past and right exactly yeah, and I think that's why this is novel because the NRC said, you know what, not everything counts. Not everything counts because here's the reality is that, you know, our knowledge base is continuing to grow, right? It's continuing to grow and we can't teach everything because if we try to teach everything, what we're doing is we're doing, you know, a short shrift on everything, right? Yep. And so, you know, what we have to do is instead position students to be able to understand things in the here and now, and then hopefully as things grow, they're going to become better consumers, um, better researchers, better understanders of the things that come, the new things that come their way. And so the idea is that there are these, you know, four sort of standards or four sort of conditions um, that make something a core idea. And those are the things that are, they're, are, they're really critical. And so I'll, you know, talk about each one of these. So one is that it has to have a broad importance across multiple sciences or engineering disciplines or be a core organizing principle of a single discipline. Okay. So that's number one. So, wait, so not, just, we're going to talk about these one at a time, right? You're yeah, not, well, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the first one is that, you know, it, so it has to have either like broad impact across all these things or be something that's so important to one content area that it is core to that discipline and then we'll show examples of this as we go along you know right right but the idea is like again that well i've one way i've heard this described in another context by uh, a colleague of mine Stuart selber he described that as things you remember forever versus disposable particulars so so the the way standards have typically been written is this list of disposable particulars yep. so here's a whole list of individual facts um, none of which are particularly useful uh, in and of themselves. The the thing that makes science what it is is that it's um, it it helps us understand the world. But we want it to do that in a big way, in a conceptual way, around things that really have broad applicability and and are powerful in terms of their explanatory usefulness. Right. So so that's really what the core idea idea is about is trying to get away from like memorizing all these little details about, oh, these are the parts of the cell and these are what each part does. And this is, this is what, um, you know, these are the parts of the body or these are the different formulas you need in physics, whatever it is. Right. And getting to this, 
this idea that these things have to be powerful, big ideas that cut across, as Ali said, multiple disciplines, but more often than not are central to a specific discipline. So that's number one. That's condition number one. Condition number two is provide a key tool for understanding or investigating more complex ideas or solving problems. So it's got to serve as a springboard for you know understanding, investigating, solving, thinking more broadly. So it just can't be you know a uh, end to itself, right? It's got to be you know serve as a foundation for us to build other understandings. That's number right. two. Yeah, and um, it, it, it's it it becomes a place to hang details on as you get exposed to them through particular phenomena, right? Yeah. yeah. So number three is that it's got to relate to students' interests and their life experiences, or be connected broadly to society and personal concerns. Yeah. So it's got to have some sort of relevancy. You know, it can't just be you know like what you what you call it, disposable particulars, right? Yeah. So these are yeah. thing, things that. They should be, you know, related to students' lives and to society and to to bigger issues that we're facing. It shouldn't just be, you know, I, information for information's sake. But I think right. the last one is the part to me that is the the most novel or revolutionary is that if it's a disciplinary core idea that it should be teachable and learnable across multiple grades at increasing levels of depth and sophistication. Yeah, this is that, yeah, this is the big one. Yeah, that to me is like that's revolutionary yeah, yeah but i think it, it it contrasts the the important thing to understand is it, you know a lot of science teachers would say well yeah of course we always do that we have biology we have life science in middle school and then we have biology in high school and we have you know we we teach we always have done this and it's like well no what we've done is we've we've had a, a collection of facts that accumulate in different bins right so this bin is the life science bin and so we're going to have a bunch of facts that we pile up in there and you'll get new facts every year um, because the facts will get more detailed about particular pieces, right? The disposable particulars again. So, so this is a much different idea. This is an idea that you develop a model, you develop a, a, a concept or a model that you, you begin with, and then you make that model more robust and more sophisticated and, and, and more, uh, more explanatory over time that you're working on basically the same thing over multiple years from starting in kindergarten, hopefully all the way through to 12th grade. Yeah. I think this is going to be one, it's the most revolutionary, but two, it's going to be the heaviest lift for a lot of schools because one science isn't typically taught at the early grades because in, in Pennsylvania, it's not assessed at the early grades. And so they're just like, okay, well, if it's not assessed, then obviously it's not important. So we're just going to hold off teaching science in a lot of schools to yeah. like, you know, late elementary school. Yeah, and so, yeah. And so that is a real challenge for, you know, for us to be able to meet these standards, it's going to be really hard from a expertise standpoint, from a structure, a curricular mapping standpoint, there's going to be lots of challenges, but I think that serves as a really good, you know, goal. It's, it's like, come on, we got to be doing this across grade levels and really working to develop this. I think it's, it recognizes, I mean, this is the part that I, I brought this up with a, a group of folks I was working with. I mean, we've known this kind of stuff that people, that students can learn stuff at their the grade level. It's like, Piaget and all this, right? Mm. I mean, it's like we we I know you're not a, a big mm, Piaget, yeah. but I'm just saying, like we we know that students' understandings develop and change with time, right? I mean, that's 
And so what we should be able to do is to teach things at different grade levels to with different levels of understanding and then slowly grow and build, right? That's, that's like, you know, that's educational psychology, right? Oh, really? I know. Okay. Okay. So, so here's the thing, right? Um, I agree. I agree with what you're, what you're saying there, of course, but, but it's the, it's the second half or with half of that, I'm a little nervous about, right? right. So you're, the, the you're thing nervous with nervous, the cognitive perspective of that. Well, no, well, yes, but that's not what <laughs> making me nervous about what you just described because half of what you just described is going to sound to most science teachers, like what we're doing. It's like, oh, well, yeah, lo- younger kids can only do X. So we're going to teach them, you know, these little things. And then later on, we'll give them more. And that's not the idea, but that's not what I said. Well, it's it, it's what people are going to hear in right. in the first part of what you said. Well, and, that's and everything. Particularly, well, yeah, but particularly when you're tying it to development, because right. the implication is, and this is why I cringe at at um, Piaget is is the the one of the main implications of that work is that that young kids are incapable of certain kinds of reasoning and not incapable of understanding certain ideas, because I don't think that was the point, but just like you are a concrete, you know, thinker at this age and the evidence in the, I don't know, 50 or 60 years since Piaget is that that's totally incorrect, that, that little kids are very capable of very sophisticated reasoning. Um, It's just that they don't have as much um, experience and knowledge base to, to build on. So it is our job as teachers to engage kids or young kids in this kind of sophisticated reasoning that, that that's part of what this disciplinary core idea is focused on is little kids can do explanations. Do the explanations look like high school kids explanations? Of course not. But, but it's, it's that beginning them in that process that, that teaches them the, that this is what science is about, is building models and explanations of things, and that they are capable of doing it, and that those models can then be built on over time. I think the other thing that's really important about that is it gets to this idea of, like, one of the reasons typically that standards have been lauded is as kids, then if you have standards, then if kids move around from one school to another, they can be assured that that they're going to be getting a, a, a coherent experience. Right. Sure. So that but I think what this does is 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 says, well, there's a different way to do that. And a different way to do that is to have at the center of science these core ideas that get more sophisticated over time. So if kids are moving from school to school, they're not necessarily going to get exactly the same thing, but what they are going to get is the, that there are these core ideas that are always going to be present that they can use and draw on and think about. So, um, so I think that's, that's an important way to think about. It's a very different way to think about sort of curricular coherence um, and this ability to move between school districts or, or, um, you know, whatever the sort of, what does it mean to be consistent? Doesn't mean that science teaching in Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and state college should all look exactly the same. It's that these, the core ideas should be present in all those places, but the, but the concepts that not the concepts, sorry, the phenomenon and the things that are being explained and explored, the detailed phenomena, those can be very different. different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So one, I didn't expect this to become the poo-poo Piaget, poo-poo in the Piaget. You know, that was that was a throwaway <sighs> statement. But yeah. I think the other part that that I think is important is that I, in saying that, 
I and what I said at one point was that like everybody's going to look at this and say we already do that. Right. They're like going to say, sure. we already have a curriculum that's mapped at, gra- at different grade levels and with yep. different levels of a- sophistication. But that's not what the- these standards are suggesting, you know. And so it's, it's not saying, oh, we hold off on teaching that content until they're in high school, like because right. realistically, that's when the students know the disciplinary core idea is saying that we should be teaching lots of concepts and lots of understandings at multiple grade levels so that kids can slowly grow and build as as they're you know they can develop more sophisticated ideas as they develop yeah and i think and i think it's an extension of an argument that's been made in 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 a smaller scale in the past which is so if we think of like um a big idea or or an organizing principle is something like evolution um or heredity is the way it's framed in in the disciplinary core ideas, right? Um, and so typically the way that evolution gets taught is it doesn't get taught at all until high school. And then when it's taught in high school, it's taught at the end of biology, right? It's like, okay, we're going to do all this about here's the organs and the systems and the did and all the details. And then at the end, we're going to give you evolution, which is the organizing principle for all that. The way that we got all these systems was through evolution. We're not going to tell you about it till the end. And, oh, we ran out of time this year. So we're only going to do one day on evolution at the end. And so the idea is, evolution should be something or heredity should be something that little kids can start thinking about and that that those ideas get more and more sophisticated over time. But there's really good evidence um, about young kids being able to reason about, for example, microevolution. So how, how small bits of evolutionary change happen because you can actually see that quote unquote, see that happen in, in certain populations that, that reproduce quickly. Right. So whether that's plants, whether that's uh, microorganisms or, or small organisms, right. Things that have a short life cycle, you can see interesting things in microevolution that kids can begin to understand. So the idea is, yeah, how do we, how do we really think about this as not the accumulation of facts where the little kids get the simple facts and the, the older kids get the more complicated facts it's how do we develop this more robust model over time that gets increasingly sophisticated? You know, uh, this is going to be a, a, an aside, but oh, I, yeah. no, no, but I think it's, hmm. it's, it's relevant because I was thinking about like when evolution is taught and that's typically in, in high school, it's not, you know, maybe mentioned in middle school, but not as, as much as, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, you know, ninth or 10th grade in, in high school. But then I was thinking up a little bit about like how our understanding of biology has changed over the course of history. And then I remember we talked about, you know, Rick Duschel a few episodes ago. Um, and when I had Rick as a, a grad student at, at Pitt, he had written a book about how our teaching of physics really matches the history of physics. Right. And I, yeah. I think that's in a lot of cases, how we teach, all the content, right? Is that yep. like we teach content grade level bands in a lot of ways, the, the way that the history of whatever that content area was. So, yep. you know, like as you move up the grade levels or w- move into like chemistry or whatever, that's when we start to get into more complicated stuff or the late history stuff um, in those content areas. And this, you know, pushes against that the right. disciplinary core ideas really pushes against that and says you know what we not, we're not going to save those those new concepts or like new in quotation marks right um mm-hmm. but we're going to really try to 
get those at all the grade levels, you know, and not hold off evolution or not hold off any of the other things till like, like atomic theory, right. Is, right. Which is part of, you know, matter and its interactions. And one of the disciplinary core ideas, that's something that, you know, really, you know, younger students should be able to understand too. And, and yeah. that we, ha- we should be able to present models to them that they can develop and, and, and grow. So maybe they're not understanding, you know, the different electron sublevels and all that jazz, which, you know, we would want to like, no, we do not want, right. We're not, we're also not advocating that you start teaching uh, electron configurations to, to fourth graders. That's no. not the point either. Right. No. The point is that we have to think in terms of these big ideas as being conceptual big sort of like we talked about with cross-cutting concepts that these are big uh conceptual tools that help you understand lots of things and it's in using them to understand something that you really develop a deep understanding of the big concept so that's really what we're trying to do is say hey how does evolution as a concept apply to these different things and as you do that you start to understand those things in deeper and richer ways i mean i agree with you 100 percent the the biggest example i think of this is is in the area where, um, you know, that I do my research around geoscience because plate tectonics right. is such a recent I, um, phenomenon or a theory that, you know, it's really not even a hundred years old yet. Right. So it's, it's a relatively new theory and it was just coming about, um, in the sixties when, um, you know, and a lot of the textbooks that we have, sadly, are not that much more contemporary. So the idea that like we shouldn't start um, geology by having kids identify rocks because that's the tradition of the discipline is like, oh, well, this is like rich Englishmen walking around the countryside, picking up rocks and identifying right. them. It's like, well, so that's not how we want to think about it geoscience or systems or system sciences, we want to think about them as, as explanatory sciences that are investigatory, not, not just wandering around, picking up rocks. And, um, but, but it doesn't get taught that way. It gets taught as a bunch of here are the different kinds of rocks. Here's the different epochs in history. And here's, as opposed to trying to understand our contemporary earth and how it, how it operates and the phenomenon that we can see that are produced by all this. And then you can go back and figure out, well, how do we then figure out how it used to be in the past? That, then that becomes a cool problem that you're, yeah. you're applying an idea to, as opposed to here's the history of the whole earth. And then we're going to tell you how it, end up, it ended up that way. Yeah, and that in every single one of those content areas, every single science content area, the the, uh, the beginning stages were descriptive in nature, or classification, or taxonomies, yeah. or or things like that. They were all that. So when we're teaching that the gr- early grade levels, so we're just teaching science as information, right? Yep. As yep. and so that's. I mean, so whether it's identifying rocks or identifying trees or identifying like whatever, like elements, elements, or memorizing, you know, the different, you know, you know, animal and plants, and you know, or what the organ, you know, the the makeup of the cell is, or whatever. Um, not that those those things aren't valuable things to learn, but if that the, this NRC, you know framework is presenting something different than that. Yeah, because it, what it's saying is those things only have meaning if you understand the big ideas of which they are a part, right? Yeah. So if you just learn all the little details, it just seems like what it is, which is a whole bunch of details, which, you know, again, for me is why I hated biology in high school, because yeah. it was like, the Amen. whole. it's just like, all I'm doing is memorizing stuff. And, and I don't understand what any of it does to help me understand anything. I don't um, think and, I, 
I don't think I enjoyed a class in which I had to make note cards. If I had to make a note card, yeah. then I pretty much a no, bad yeah, sign, bad, bad, not, not not good juju for me. No, uh, well, and you know, I mean, I think that it, that it gets right to this that um, you know we. It, we take so much of the joy out of science by teaching people just the answers, as opposed to teaching them that the important thing is the questions and the figuring out. Yeah. Like everybody loves that. Everybody loves to figure stuff out because it makes you feel good, right? It's like, yeah. ah, I figured this out. That's so awesome. But when somebody else figures it out, some old dead white guy figures it out, and then you have to just memorize their explanation. This this is not fun for anyone, right? Like yeah. we we have to understand that this is fundamentally about, um, you know, if we want to create joy and interest in science, it's not going to be done through this through this regimented process of memorization. I mean, the only way we even get anybody to like that is then we put a grade on it, and some people are willing to do it for a grade, yeah. right? And then there are some people who are like, forget it, I'm not, I'm not doing this for a grade. I'm just going to fail, and you can do that to me. But I'm not going to suffer this because you people want me to memorize a whole bunch of explanations that have no use to me. So yeah, I, um, I think, you know, that that being wired to solve, figure things out, being wired to like ask questions and answer questions is fundamental of who we are. Yeah. And, and I think that's a really important part, which is like interesting because that's how uh, the NRC frames each of these disciplinary core ideas is they they break them down. And we're going to go through these because, you know, we do want to. Um, do that before this episode's yeah. over at least outline them because at least mention them yeah at least mention them because i think what's what's most impressive to me about this is just the sheer small number of them yep. right like there's only there's only 11 of them that come from you know like the traditional content areas and the and the the other two are from engineering and technology and yep. so i mean that to me is is really interesting they have physical science then they have life science and earth and space science so they have 12 across those 11 across those sorry and then they have two more in engineering and that's it and that yeah. to me is just like holy cow that yeah, is yeah especially awesome. because they they ne- physics and chemistry aren't even broken out it's all no. physical science lumped together which you know the physics especially the physics people cuz we're a very self important group right. um are like wait a minute physics is the basis of everything how is that not a broken out you know uh, subdomain it's got to be one of them and they're like well no actually physical science yeah. yeah yeah so here 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 they are so in physical science there are four and so one's around matter in its interactions and motion and stability that forces interaction. So they're f- framed differently. So this, you know, the second one's around, you know, motion and stability, but it's a really around forces and how they interact with things. So there's that. Then there's one around energy. And if energy sounds familiar, you're right. Cause it was, a cross, right. it was a cross cutting concept too. That happens in a couple of areas here. And then uh, lastly, uh, waves in their applications and technology for information transfer, which is a, is a mouthful. But I think that waves, you know, I mean, think about like waves gets, that's a content area that gets really, you know, that I think like, when have we taught waves? It's like a, like one unit in a high school physics course. Right. And outside of that, it gets no attention. And you think about like how much, how important waves are to everything that we do. Yeah. And and especially these days with technology and all the, all the things that are reliant on different waves. I mean, yeah, it's, it's astonishing. And, and and to think that we, I mean, gosh, I'd spend, if, if I talked about sound, light and just wave 
I would say that's like maybe four or five weeks in my high school physics courses. You know, it's like maybe three chapters in, you know, a traditional textbook, you know, it is. And, and I can't remember, I, you know, I taught middle school physical science. I don't think I ever taught waves. Yeah. No, no. I think it's definitely a high school thing. And it, you know, it's funny just the other day I was, I was, um, I had a wave related phenomenon that, 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 uh, that I was trying to, to figure out. Right. So I have Bluetooth headphones and I use them in my home. Um, and I noticed that when the microwave is on, it disrupts my Bluetooth headphones. So, so a, that tells you something about the wavelength of Bluetooth and microwaves. And now everybody's worried because they think they're, you know, they're waving their brain into death because it's the same. Um, but they're they're not the same the same but the point is like trying to work through like the what it, what is the explanation for this and what does it actually mean like should i be worried that my that my uh, microwave is interfering with my bluetooth headphones does that mean that i'm microwaving my head all the time even when my headphones are not in because um because clearly those waves are still coming out of the microwave when my headphones aren't in. It's just that when my headphones are in, I can detect them. So just, you know, and, and I'm, we don't have to go down the rabbit hole of this. We but, just did. You just know, did. <laughs> but I'm stopping. I'm, I've only got my head in the rabbit hole. Now I'm pulling it out and I'm saying. Um, That's where the, your head is right there. Yeah, in the exactly. rabbit hole. <laughs> in the rabbit hole. <laughs> So the, you know, the, you know, that's the kind of thing that you could go into a class and say, Hey, here's a phenomenon I've noticed. Can we think about sure. why, what this means? Like, should all, should we all stop using Bluetooth headphones? Should we stop using microwaves? Is my microwave broken? If so, right. how do we know? Like, how, like that's a legitimate question to dig into that, that isn't going to be in a typical curriculum. Right. But, but meets the criteria of like, this is relevant. Like lots of kids have Bluetooth devices, almost, if not all kids have some form of a cell phone that uses those wavelengths of, of, um, you know, radiation to do stuff with, and just thinking about it as radiation even is, is a radical notion. So yeah. Well, I mean, even, I think- even, even just like situating it from Wi-Fi, right. With, yeah. Right. With, with kids. Cause like, you know, anytime we have any of Enzo, my sons or my daughter's friends over, the first thing I want to know is like, what's the Wi-Fi password, right? Right. And then yep. we, we get, we have, we have our network, our family network, and then we have a guest network and the, and they have different, you know, frequencies yeah. and they have different, you know, speeds and all that. And, right. you know, cause we, you know, we have the guest network is the, you know, the, yeah, the, the slow and terrible one that you yeah. let the guests use. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. However, yeah. the other thing that's interesting, though, is that there was a uh, we had a new neighbor move in recently who had uh, put in a, a new Wi-Fi system. And so we were getting some interference in the house. Yeah. And so we had to switch to a different channel. I was like, hey, what channel are you on? OK, well, the channel. So we had it. So like, even having that kind of conversation with kids about like, OK, how do these things happen? Because, I mean, there's nothing that they you know, prize more right now than Wi-Fi, right? I mean, it's right. like, so having an understanding of that, yet we give them no preparation for that. Like, it's right. just not taught. And this could be something that even kids at really young grade levels can understand. Yeah. You know, because it's, yeah, it's really, okay. So we just so went wait. down the physical science rabbit hole right there. Yeah. But yeah. before you skip on, I just, I want to say one more thing about, about 
generally the structure of these, and, and in particular, we'll mention one since we're on the physical science. So one of the things that gets a little tricky is, you know, we've been talking about these big ideas, and there are 11 of them. But then the sneaky bit, I guess, is maybe sneaky is the wrong way to describe it. But the detail is that within those core ideas, there are sub areas, right? Yeah. So there, even though there's only 11 core ideas, like in the wave one, uh, core idea, which is waves and their applications in technology for information transfer, which was totally relevant to the conversation we just had, right? There are three sub areas, wave properties, electromagnetic radiation, and information technologies and instrumentation. So those areas help flesh out what this big idea is. But again, they're not intended to be particulars. They're, they're just sort of um, giving you some shape to that broad domain of waves and their applications. So all of, the, all of the disciplinary core ideas are broken out that way with three or four sort of sub areas within them. Um, but again, the intent is to try and keep these things big and not drill down into, okay, you should know the difference between S and P waves in geoscience. It's like, no, that is not where we're headed. That is not a goal. We don't want you to know, like, be able to name all the wavelengths of visible light or all the different kinds of light that exist or radiation. Like, that's not, that's not the goal. Yeah. But I think the other part that's interesting about the way the NRC framework is, is, is designed is that, one, it gives you sort of these framing questions for each one of these areas, these sub areas, like mm -hmm. conservation of energy and energy transfer. It's like, how is energy transferred between objects and systems? That's a really good framing question that would be great for you to, you know, explore at different grade levels. And then they also give you the grade level bands and they say, okay, mm -hmm. by this grade, students should be able to do this. And by this grade, they should. So they're giving you sort of like not really the, the target from a content standpoint, but a target from like an understanding standpoint. Yeah. Like descriptive to, understanding. Yeah. Descriptive understanding. The students should be able to explain this kind of stuff by this. And that's great. And it gives you the ability as a school or as a teacher to like, you know, design stuff from an, a phenomenon based perspective that would help you get to that. Right. Yep. Yep. That's the cool part. All right. So, um, you know, so the four things in physical science with matter and its interactions and all on. So let's jump down to life sciences Four in yep. there too. So yep. there are four in, in life sciences, some a little overlap with the first one molecules to organisms, structures and processes. So that's the first one. The second one's around ecosystems, interactions, energy and dynamics. So another place where energy shows up mm -hmm. um heredity inheritance and variation of traits mm -hmm. and then there's also um one we just been spending a little time talking about biological evolution unity yep. and diversity so there's just the evolution it's something that's you know being talked about at at the earliest grade levels and you know i'm sure that's gonna create some some challenges for some teachers in the state but you know yep. Yeah, well, and and I think interestingly, and you pointed this out sort of indirectly, but I'm going to call it out directly, which is the language of these core ideas also is, in I think, intentionally pointing towards cross-cutting concepts as being relevant here, right? Like they try to frame things in terms of ecosystems, in terms of energy. They talk about right. molecules and organisms in terms of structures and processes, right? So this is not it's not a coincidence that they're framing the the disciplinary core ideas in a way that is intentional in describing how some of these things cut across as well because they're they're 
and I think that's a really important um, piece of these is that they are seen as interconnected, even yeah. though this is the life science, they, they still, you know, there's molecules in here, which makes sense because a lot of biology, especially what gets taught in high school is molecular. So, so jumping down to the earth and space sciences, uh, there are three here, earth's place in the universe. Yeah. And then earth systems. Mm-hmm. And then earth and human activity. And I think that's a big one right there. That is a big one. Right. And that's, yeah. And that's, that's the one where you, where we really get into the, um, the sort of social implications of science and that can appear in, in the other domains as well, but certainly it is obviously explicit in this one about natural resources natural hazards, which is where my work has mostly focused human impacts on our systems. And then global climate change is called out as its own thing, even though you could argue it's human impacts or, um, you know, it could fall into other areas. It's called out as its own area for obvious reasons, because it's, it's uh, our, our major challenge right now. What I think is cool about the way that that is, is structured is that they go from really big, you know, it's the universe, then it goes to the earth and the systems at the earth, and then they go at the the local level. So it's really yeah. nice how it's framed, not like historically, right? Mm-hmm. It's really framed from like different scales or different levels of models. So that's yeah. where that scale, you know, you going go. back to the cross, cross-cutting concept can come in in, a, in, in really intentional ways, you know? Yep. Um, so yep. that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, then engineering technology and application of science, that's the last uh, sort of grouping of them. And so there's two here, engineering design and links among engineering technology, science and society, which, you know, that's always been something that's like, you know, if you go back to other science standards or other, you know, documents, there's always been that science and society, you know, sort of like, hey, mm-hmm. it's important, but this yeah. is like, um, you know, it's good that they're putting it in intentionally there as a, as a specific, you know, area. Yeah. And that idea, and that calls out another thing that I think we hear a lot, which is um, people talking about this, the disciplinary core idea thing in terms of application. So again, it's like the way we've traditionally taught science is you teach a bunch of details and then there's some little application thing at the end. And that thing at the end could just be like a sidebar in the in the textbook where they say, here's why this matters to you. And then it gives you a story about something that you're supposed to say, oh, now I understand why why it's important for me to understand that there are different wavelengths of radiation, because here, here's a thing about Chernobyl. And now you know about, you know, why this stuff matters. And and I think that again, fundamentally misunderstands what the purpose of all this is. Um, starting with Chernobyl and going forward is one thing, but teaching all the details and then saying it applies to this thing. Well, there's no work there for the students to do. There's no thinking that they have to do. And as a result, there's no interest for them because who cares, right? It's a story. They, they don't know anything about it. It, you know, most, most, well, more kids probably know, have heard of Chernobyl now as a result of what's going on in, in our geopolitical world. But, you know, five or six years ago, or even just a year ago, how many kids in high school or younger had heard of Chernobyl? Probably very few. Um, So like using that as an example of something is not particularly, you know, helpful as an application idea. But, you know, again, these, this idea of thinking about things, all of the NRC disciplinary core ideas, cross-cutting concepts and science and engineering practices 
is one of the big pieces that they're trying to do is say science is an interconnected set of disciplinary practices. And those practices result in ideas, um, models that help us understand the world. And those models are all interconnected in, in lots of complicated ways. It's not this, this, the way that we've sort of subdivided science out into all these different areas gives people the impression that they're different things, but they're not. Yeah. They're all interconnected with each other. It's just that we've drawn some arbitrary lines to say, well, this stuff counts as biology. But you can see even in, in higher education, which is often the place that you look for these distinctions, those things have melted away in large part because now there's you know people who are biochemists and now there are people yeah. who are geophysics and or geochem or whatever. You know, so so even within those disciplines, it's a recognition there's a recognition that these things are all connected. Well, you know, and it's, I think it's becoming increasingly more uh, complex and blurry. Um, I mean, we have not to go down the higher ed rabbit hole, but we had, you know, pretty established gen ed curricula at our school and that, you know, and these, the general education curriculum usually matched to specific content areas. Like, okay, you got to take, you know, some sort of like mathematical reasoning. Well, now like that used to be something that was covered in a math class. class, Right. And, and now some, someone in physics is like, hold on, you know, my physics course would help with mathematical reasoning. And so now it's like becoming more. uh, And now like math is, you know, a, a tool that's used across you know, different content areas. So it's like, you know, it's becoming increasingly blurry at our institution as to what courses count for uh, what gen eds. And, and so, yeah, it's that, that I think is a, a really good indication of exactly what you're saying, how interconnected all these things are. But I think it's probably a pretty good place for us to stop with the yeah. disciplinary core ideas um, and move into joys. Joys. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a joy? You just, uh, you've been I, all over the places. So well, like, I don't know. I don't know if I've been all over the place, but I, I certainly, I certainly have a joy that I can share from, I, I, we did just have spring break and I did do some, some, uh, tra- traveling, not very far traveling, but traveling. Um, so yeah, the, the thing that I'll say that brought me joy, I don't know, again, this is, this is always a, um, a tough phrase in some cases, right? Because, because it, it didn't, joy in a in a sense of learning about things that i i wanted to learn about and wanted to learn more about so so over the break one of the things i did with my family was we went to the national african american history museum which we had not been to um we tried pre-pandemic to get there and just never were able to organize a trip and then during the pandemic it was closed for a big chunk of of the pandemic so um so we went and uh and it was it was an extraordinary experience. We did not get to see everything. We were there for I think four hours. Um and we saw big, you know, maybe two thirds of the museum to the best that we could in that time. And um, but it it's remarkable. Uh it's beautifully designed, it's uh intense experience, and there are a lot there at least when we were there, there were a lot of people there. It was really um, I mean, there are time tickets to get in, so you have to sort of sign up for time. They don't cost money, but you have to get a ticket and because they're controlling how many people go through. Um, but even given that, it was it was a very uh, intense experience. Um, but it was it was amazing. And if you have not been, I strongly recommend it. Um, it it uh, yeah, it, it's it's amazing. It's it's uh, it it's not. Um, it puts 
American uh, enslavement of African people in a in a broad context, both internationally and within the historical uh, context of our country. But um, it's uh, it's it's intense, but it but it's uh, sounds like amazing. It. Yeah, but it's yeah. really good. We so, always, when when we travel, we always like you know try to target specific museums we want to see. Um, yeah. And DC is an awesome place to be able to spend. You can spend an entire could, week. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. Yeah. And just hit museums every day, you know, different museums every day. Yeah. And yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, so, so my, I'm going to go completely in a different direction and talk yeah. about a, a, like just a fun movie I saw recently. Um, it's called The Adam Project oh, and yeah. it's on Netflix. Um, I'm a Ryan Reynolds fan. I know there are some people who are haters because, you know, he has that shtick and he, he plays that shtick in everything, every movie he's in, you know, he's kind of like the wise cracking guy, um, you know, Deadpool. He's that guy mm-hmm. in pretty much every movie. Yep. Um, and so he's like that in this movie. It, it's involves some time travel, some little bit of physics in it. Uh, but Mar- Mark Ruffalo's in it too, which I'm a huge Mark Ruffalo fan. Jennifer Garner, I'm an Alias mm-hmm. fan from years back ago. In the day, yeah. Back in the day, I was a big, huge Alias fan. And then also Zoe Saldana, who mm-hmm. is in Guardians of the Galaxy and other stuff, and she's just awesome too. So, really, four awesome, you know, actors in a, you know, a a lighthearted. Um, and some sometimes really touching um, movie uh, about like tra- time travel, a little bit of action. It's just great. It is a yeah. great movie. Uh, you don't have to. It's not a heavy lift. So there's nothing like, you know, really. I mean, you'll get a little teary eyed in a couple yeah. places, especially if you're a parent, because there's a couple difficult parent moments in, in there. But um, it's just great. It is really I think, you know, he's he's a machine. Ryan, Ryan Reynolds yeah. is a machine. It's like every I don't know, every six weeks he has a new movie coming out. It's like and he's got some deal with Netflix in which they're, you know, you know, putting up red cranking notice, cranking them out. And and, you know, they, you know, all have different levels of quality, different levels of you know plot. And and some of them are some of uh, formulaic. But watch this. This is great. It's just fun. I don't think anybody will walk away going, yeah, that, that movie was a waste of my time. And I've seen some movies recently that were a total waste of my time. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We won't get into that. No, I can talk. We That's not that, a those joy. Are not, those are not joys. Not joys. You know? We're not going to talk about those. Yeah. I, I, edge, the, the, the King's Man, you know, like the King's yeah, Man. Talk, we're not talking about it. The we, third we're one. We're not, we're don't even waste your time. Don't why, even waste your time. Why are you doing this? Just putting it out there. Just putting it out there. Don't waste your time. No, Uh, we're not. We're not going down that rabbit hole. Two and a half hours. I'm never getting back. Yeah. Okay. Okay, (laughs) There it is. There it is. Okay. That's the. (laughs) It's not a prime number. It's that we just got it. You got to back up. I know. I'm just gonna say. I just just couldn't. I couldn't stop myself. I could. I I watched it happen. (laughs) Don't watch the Kingsman. Go watch the Adam Project. Yeah. And I hear Uh, that uh, the kid that plays the kid. Yeah, it is fantastic. And it was his first movie and he did a great job. Yeah, uh, he, it was it was great. Like he plays a really good uh, he plays it. You know, this in the first like five minutes, he plays a young Ryan Reynolds. So yeah. um, so young Adam in in this. And so that's that's pretty cool. And it's like having the two of them on the screen at the same time being wisecrackers is pretty funny and pretty awesome. Yeah. And so cracking wise, you know, cracking wise. As yeah. They say. Yes, All sir. Right. All right. Well, episode 82, Disciplinary 82. Core Ideas. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. In the books. In the books. So we'll catch you next time.
in between. See you then. Bye now.